Well, good morning, New City. It's good to be worshiping with you, even if we're just online digitally. Uh, I look forward to a time when we can gather again in person for our, person for our worship service. <clears throat> Since the last time we were together, it's been a wild couple of weeks. In a matter of days, it has felt like the the whole world has shut down. The stock market went into free fall. Supermarkets have been struggling to keep shelves stocked. And perhaps most surprisingly of all, people have started hoarding toilet paper. Why toilet paper? Why not toothpaste or some other perishable good? Why is it toilet paper? As far as I know, COVID-19 doesn't have a significant impact on digestive tract issues. It's not like if you get sick, you have to go to the bathroom five times a day. So why are people hoarding toilet paper? It's not the only thing people are hoarding. I know that hand sanitizer has been in high demand and it's been hard to get. Uh, people are hoarding cash. I know that uh, a lot of people are trying to accumulate cash uh, these days as the market is crashing. Uh, they're hoarding food and water as well. My wife's sister lives in California and just the other day she went to the grocery store and for the first time in more than a week was able to find chicken in, uh, the, the, in the meat section. So it's been hard to get food where she lives. Why is this happening? What is it about humans that causes us to hoard irrationally when we're afraid? As I think about many of you, I wonder, are you hoarding? What are you hoarding and why are you hoarding? Our passage for today is about hoarding. And on the surface, it can seem like just a simple condemnation of hoarding, but I think Jesus is trying to get at something a little bit deeper. And so if, as we're going through it, you feel a little uncomfortable or a little bit guilty, just stay with me for a little bit. Jesus is is speaking to the thing that is going on deep within our soul that drives us to engage in this hoarding behavior. He's not out to condemn us. I think he has compassion for us when we want to hoard. Our scripture passage for today comes from Luke 12, verses 13 to 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus said, Man, who appointed me judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. And if you're new here, we're in a Lenten series on the parables. These are just stories that Jesus told to help us understand and enter the kingdom of God. This is a, he's trying to help us become deeper spiritual people. And by default, you and I overestimate our spiritual maturity. We think we understand more of what it means to go deeply into the kingdom of God than we actually do. And so he tells these tricky stories. And as we read through them, we're startled a little bit because they don't go the way that we expect. Kierkegaard said that Jesus' parables deceive us into truth. 
deceive us into a deeper understanding of how to enter and receive God's kingdom. And that's what this parable is doing today. Jesus wants us to pay attention to the things that we hoard and why we do it. And I think the trick that Jesus is using to get us to notice something about the kingdom is that he tells a story about a man doing something that seems so normal to most of us. He's simply saving money for his future. His crops yield a good harvest and he decides to save it. How is that wrong? And the first thing to note is that I don't necessarily think this parable or Jesus is against planning or saving. Whenever we read scripture, we want to make sure that we're reading it in the broader context of what the whole Bible says. And in other parts of the Bible, God commends the saver as wise or the planner as being a good steward of resources. Listen to some of the things that we read in Proverbs. Proverbs 21 verse 20 says this, A wise man saves for the future, but a foolish man spends whatever he gets. Again, the idea that a wise person is someone who saves and just spend everything. Proverbs 13, 11, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Again, this idea of um, saving it and putting it to work. Proverbs 13, 22, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but sinners' wealth is stored up for the righteous. So the Proverbs clearly commend to us that a wise person is someone who saves. And also, another story that comes to mind when I read this parable is Joseph, a patriarch of the faith. He found himself in the same situation with an abundant harvest, and he built bigger barns and saved for the future. Listen to the advice that he gave to Pharaoh in Genesis 41. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt, so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. When I consider the example of Proverbs, which commends the saver, and the example of Joseph, who used this good harvest to plan for the future, I believe that the Bible teaches us that wise people save and plan. We are stewards of God's resources and accountable for how we use the the things that he has given to us, and planning and saving is a way that you and I live out our calling to be these wise stewards of what God has given us to, to use and call to do. <clears throat> so when I read this parallel in the context of Scripture, the broader context of the whole Bible, I don't think Jesus is uniformly against saving. Rather, I think Jesus is naming a disposition of our heart that is a corruption of wise savings and stewardship. He's naming the inner life orientation of greed that results not in wise savings, but in hoarding of things as a way of trying to to gain life through the accumulation of possessions or protect ourselves from pain or harm through hoarding things. And the fact that this is his aim, not just being against saving or planning, I think is revealed in two places. First, it's revealed in the conversation in the lead up to the parable. We read this. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus says, Man, who appointed me judge or arbiter between you? Then he said, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. This is what happens right before he tells a parable. Now, this interaction, Jesus is refusing to engage it. He's not refusing to engage it because this isn't the sort of thing that he would have done. In the ancient world, people believed that one of the roles of the rabbis was to adjudicate disputes. 
The reason Jesus isn't engaging in this dispute is because he recognizes that this man is greedy. There's no point in going forward with it. His heart is set on these possessions. He believes that life cannot go on without them. And it's kind of like one of us going up to Jesus and saying, Lord, Lord, tell my friend to divide his stash of toilet paper with me. But Jesus is saying, why are you so obsessed with toilet paper? You know that having a few extra rolls of toilet paper isn't going to save your soul. Jesus is calling our attention to a spiritual reality, the way that our soul tends to get fixated on these things, that if we just get these things, if we just accumulate enough of these things, then we will be okay. That we will be saved, that life will be okay, that we'll be secure and safe, whether it's toilet paper, grain in barns, or money in the bank account. And during the pandemic, there's a whole host of things that people can hoard, but really the most common is money. It's like that stand-in for everything else we could want or desire. But it's not the only thing. You can hoard power or status symbols or even be possessive of other people or their time. And so I wonder, what is it for you? What is the thing that happens inside of you when you get a little bit afraid? What do you reach out for and cling, try and gain security, safety, and life? This parable is meant for us to call our attention to the things that we cling to, trust in, and look for safety and security in. And I wonder... What is that for you? That's what Jesus wants us to notice. The second place that Jesus is pointing us to, to call out this disposition of greed or hoarding, is when he describes the inner thought life of the protagonist in the parable. After the harvest, Jesus reveals what this man is thinking. In verse 19, we read this. A man says, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. This makes explicit what Jesus said to the man who came asking him for help in dividing the inheritance. This man is believing the same thing as the man in our parable. He's believing that if he could only get this inheritance, that he would have the good life. He could eat, drink, and be merry. Same way the man in the parable thought the hardship and unhappiness of life would go away and be solved by this windfall. But Jesus is saying, this cannot give you life. It can't keep you safe for even one night. That's what happens in the next verse, verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Jesus is calling our attention to the utter lack of control that you and I have over our lives. The truth that he is deceiving us into is the ridiculousness of our hoarding. He wants us to see how we try and get all these things as a way of gaining control over our lives and over our world, but they don't actually give us control. This is just our anxious response to the reality of being out of control. This hoarding is an illusion of control. We hoard things like toilet paper for the same reason we hoard things like money. It makes us feel like we've been able to do something to gain control in our life. We feel like we're better prepared for our future. But what Jesus wants us to come to terms with is how out of control life is. He wants us to know that we can waste our lives trying to get things that we wrongly believe give us control, but in the process lose what really matters. How tragic if we give our whole life to the accumulation of money because we think it's going to give us control and keep us safe only to die on the first day of retirement like this man in the parable. What a tragedy. And Jesus says this is foolish. He wants something more for us. 
He wants us to invest in the places where true life is to be found. He says, invest in your life toward, of, with God. In verse 21, he says this, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. This is not to say that God will punish us. If it's right. It means that if you and I give our lives to hoarding as a way to control our lives, we're going to forever be anxious because we can't gain control of our lives. Those are just an illusion of control. We'll hoard money or toilet paper or hand sanitizer or whatever else will make us, we think will make us feel or give us control, but it never will. Instead, Jesus is, is, says that we should take that anxious energy and invest it in God. Then that inner life anxiety about life being out of control will be eased. That's what the whole purpose of the chapter. If you happen to open your Bible, you can see this before the parable and after the parable. It's all about fear and worry. Jesus is speaking to us, not in condemnation, but in compassion, because he sees how fearful we are. He knows how fearful you are right now, how anxious we become when we live through pandemics, and he has compassion on us. He tells us to stop hoarding, not because he's condemning us, we got to do better to get God to love us, but because he wants us to turn inward and discover and invest in our life with God, because God cares for us. Listen to how the chapter starts. Verse 4, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can kill no more, can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. But then to clarify the statement, he says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. The point he's making is simple. He doesn't really want us to be terrified of God. He wants us to notice that God has power and authority. And he cares for us. He's not trying to scare us. He's trying to show us how valuable we are. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Even all the hairs on your head are numbered. Don't be afraid. Jesus tells us, do not be afraid. You are worth a lot to God. You and I won't be eased of our vulnerability and anxiety by gaining, trying to gain control through the accumulation of possessions. We will only be eased of our anxiety about not being in control by recognizing that God cares for us. Jesus is making this point. It's not in getting possessions that we gain control and ease our anxiety. It's in recognizing that we are God's possessions. He owns us and he cares for us. Our anxiety isn't lessened by the accumulation of things, but by recognizing that God, we are God's possessions. He loves us and he cares for us. So right now in the midst of whatever you are afraid of or wanting to hoard, do you know that you are God's treasured possession? You know that God cares for you. All that energy that we are tempted to put towards accumulating possession, money, toilet paper, hand sanitizer, Jesus wants us to take that energy and invest it in becoming rich towards God. This is how we deal with our fear, with our impulse to hoard. We invest in our spiritual life with God. When we do this, we gain the life that is truly life. When we hoard and try to control our future with possession, we miss out on this true life. But when we invest with God, we get the life that is truly life. Money cannot give us hope about a future. Money can't give us 
fill us with love for our spouse and family members. It can't give us a sort of deep and lasting joy that makes life rich and meaningful. Can't give us relationships rooted in trust. Money can't do that. Money can't make us humble. Can't take away your anxiety. Can't set you free from your addictions. Money can buy you all the toilet paper in the world, but it can't take the knot in your stomach away or give you peace that passes understanding as the market seesaws up and down. These are the things that only God can give if we invest in our relationship with Him. God's Spirit gives us hope, love, joy, faith, humility, freedom, and more. So Jesus wants us to stop living in such a way that we believe that life is found in the abundance of our possessions, the hoarding of things. Wants us to stop putting our energy towards the accumulation of those things. And instead, he says, be rich towards God. Invest in your spiritual life so that you discover great things, the great things that God has given to you by grace. Then you and I will be set free from fear. So practically speaking, what does that look like? Just two basic steps I want to encourage you to consider. The first is give away a little bit of what you hoard. If you've got a hundred rolls of toilet paper, try and give some away to a neighbor. If you have lots and lots of time, maybe you're trying to hoard that self-time, maybe try and share some of that with your kids or your parents. If it's power, glory, or honor, share some of that esteem with your coworkers. Let go of something that you tend to hoard that gives you the illusion of control. And in the process of letting go, You're engaging in this fast where you're lessening your grip on something you're clinging to in order to turn to God. The second step then is to take the thing that you're letting go of and give to somebody else. Typically, when you fast from something, you can give it to someone else. Beggars in the early church days used to know Christians for being really generous and believing this, that they would say, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven by giving your money to me, or lend the Lord by giving to me. And the idea was that as they let go of their clinging to money, they would give it to the poor. They understood that Christians believed that investing in God happened as we loved our neighbor. So it falls in for you and me that we can ease our fear by following these two simple steps. We fast from the things we typically cling to, money, toilet paper, hand sanitizer, whatever. And when we stop hoarding those things, we choose to give them away to someone else as an act of love. In this way, you and I are choosing to trust that God cares for us. We're letting go of the the games we typically play around trying to be in control, choosing instead to rely on God's love for us, believing that we are God's possessions, that He owns us, that He cares for us, and that nothing that we can do can make us have control, that all we can do is surrender to God's love for us. Blessings on you and your worship this morning. I wish I could be with you face to face.